I've done more 300s and 400s breaststroke straight than I can count. And that is like brutal to do at the time, but it's something that has made me so much better at the 200 just because I can like do breaststroke all day without getting tired at it. Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got a really full crew today. Dr. John Mullen, Luke Paddington, and the boys from Texas, Jake Foster and Luke Hobson. What's going on, guys? How much? How are you doing? Pumped to have you. Excited to hear about your season and talk about the upcoming NCAAs. Uh, but first, just got a couple quick ones for you. These are just some easy ones. Um, Jake, the Eyes of Texas is set to the tune of which folk song? Um, it's like, I feel like it's, I've been working on the railroad. Nailed it. Apparently written nine years apart in the uh, 1800s. Luke, true or false? Texas is larger by landmass than all of the countries in Europe. Um, I'm going to say true. That is a true statement. Okay. For either of you, who's better at retirement, Tom Brady or Eddie Reese? <laughs> I'd say Tom Brady since he's actually retired now. <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. I love the back and forth. Excellent. So leading into this season, you guys have obviously right into the the depth of the, the college swim season, had a great dual meet with NC State that came down to the wire. Um, we were watching the live stream and man, they had like lights and production value looked like a like a, a exciting environment. Um, Jake, do you mind talking a little bit more about that dual meet and also maybe how the college season's been going thus far? Sure. So something that we've been trying to do a little bit different this year is in years past, our dual meets atmosphere has been a little bit like kind of standard for college swimming. I wouldn't say that there's been a huge meet environment like you would see at like NCAAs or an invite. Um, but we're trying to get like more people involved and kind of like the swimming community around Texas and the athletic department. And so we're trying to basically make a meet atmosphere that's conducive to like a fan experience. Um, so that means usually the events kind of run pretty quickly. There's only one heat of each and we try to keep it to mostly sprints for that day of competition. And so with it, you like, we do like the lights and all that. And I think that we, we experimented with it with Virginia back in November. And then we did it again for uh, NC State uh, two weeks ago, I think. Yeah, two weeks ago. Um, and I, for like the, the swimmer's point of view, I love it. I think that it really helps us get up and go, um, even though that it's, a, it's pretty much just a dual meet format. Um, but I think in the future, it's something that we want to keep doing. And it's something that even though I'm a senior, I'm excited to see how it keeps going for the future of the team. Who was yeah, the Luke brainchild of that? Sorry, where did where did those ideas come from? I think Wyatt was the one that was kind of headlining all those things. He was putting in a lot of work, working with the athletic department to kind of organize like Bevo coming out and um, getting our spirit program to show up, and then working with uh, the natatorium um, uh, workers to figure out the lights and the audio for the music and stuff. Um, so Wyatt was all about it. Um, and I'd say he was probably the person that enacted most of the change to make it happen. What is the experience like while you're swimming? Are you swimming and seeing different colors on the bottom? Is it dark? You can't see your, your coach when you breathe. What's the experience like as in the race? You want to take that, Luke? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so 
for it's really I, they were just messing with the lights like during the walkout and when you're behind the blocks but then like as you get closer to the time you race the lights come back on um they introduce you then the music okay. stops and then you get up on the blocks and just like a normal race um nothing too different other than like you can kind of tell it's loud while you're in the water but that's really the only difference i noticed okay cool yeah well it seemed to have worked well looked like you had a great 200 free at that meet luke could you talk a little bit more about that race and perhaps kind of how the season's been progressing for you and the texas team so far yeah yeah so i'll start by talking about that race so We'd been we'd been talking about the meet probably like pretty much the whole week. Kind of we knew NC State would be really fast. We knew that we were gonna have to swim well to compete with them and even just try and hang with them, and ended up winning, which to me was a little bit of a surprise, but I was happy about it. Um, so before that race, I was kind of like, oh, like this this is important one. We we kind of got to win this to. Because dual me scoring, it's like nine, four, three, two, one, I think. So a win is worth a lot. And I ended up getting out touched by Luke Miller, but um, I kind of just went out for it and tried, tried to hold him off the whole way, but he ended up giving me that last 25. Um, but 31, eight, I'm, that's a great time for in season. And, you know, I went pretty well so i was happy with it what does that mean for nc's then he's like all right i'm coming for you now i know where you are luke let's let's do it yeah definitely it adds a little fuel to the fire um you know again at nc's we're gonna need the points so just try and place as high as i can see see if we can get under that 30 barrier um i'd be be happy with that dudes what's going on with dual meets right now i feel like this is the season of dual meets just absolutely exploding and i mean part of that of course is you guys suited up for for that meet and we're seeing more of that happening especially in these spring uh meets where there's a really good opportunity to start to hone in those race specifics race specific details paces etc um but like still i mean what's going on with dual meets uh, did you guys know before that meet was coming up that it was just going to be probably the fastest dual meet ever i think when like you get like two like very good hyper competitive teams swimming against each other like it'll kind of push you to swim a lot faster than you think you would um so i think that's one aspect of it and i think that's something that's kind of evolved in the time that i've been in college is just like using suits and dual meets um i think that does kind of add an element of helping you get faster because like when i was a freshman I don't think I had one dual meet that I suited up for. And then this season, I think I've suited up for probably a majority of my dual meets. Um, and looking back at my times from freshman year and dual meets, like I could say that like my, my, my speedo times this year have been faster than, but also like I'm going much faster now in a fast suit in dual meets than I was in like my mid seasons um, back when I was a freshman. So I think that like, I, it kind of like swimming is always evolving as a sport. And I think that that's part of it too, is like you get faster each year. But um, I think seeing other people throw down at dual meets kind of opens the door of like, that's kind of the standard now. 
Yeah, it must be a hangover or something we learned from the ISL. Because there's one thing the ISL we learned for six weeks every weekend. People got up and raced and 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 performed and broke world records and then trained Monday to Thursday and then raced and broke a world record. And it's it definitely is the suits, but also it's the mindset. Like on any every, any given day, just you can be ready to swim fast. I mean, Tom Shields tell us that, guys. Every any given day, he was prepared to get up and throw down, no matter where he was at, how he was feeling, what he had just done. And it's definitely a hangover we're seeing or learning, don't you think? Yeah, I, th- I definitely think so. Yeah. I think you can kind of get in like a cycle of like training Monday through Thursday mm. or Monday through Wednesday, go a little easier Thursday and then be ready to go fast Friday, Saturday. And Good. I mean, I feel like we kind of figured that out before NC State. And then a lot of us swam really well the next weekend again at SMU dual meet. So. So I think it's we kind of got in that cycle and we're going fast. So Eddie let you kind of coast it the day before a dual meet now. I thought you'd be having these wild training sets, especially, you know, the mid D or I assume that's kind of the group you're in, Luke. I might vary a little bit on the day. Yeah, I mean, well, it's kind of interesting. I'm mainly in D group right now. Um, Actually, this whole season, but. um, Lucky you. Yeah, I mean, I don't He's know if it's lucky, to get out. It, it works well. <laughs> it's clearly working. Um, you know, guys, I'm, I want to go into your expectations for this championship season. You got a home Big 12s coming up. Um, perhaps actually even the last Big 12s that Texas is going to be a part of, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. Um, but you know, last year going into NCAAs, you guys have spent so many years battling it out with Cal for, for the top. And it just seems like, you know, every year we don't know what's going to happen and the meet could go anyway. And you come out swinging on night one with a big eight free and then, you know, the next day and then it goes on. So what's different about this year's team? What's been the culture of this year's team? What are you thinking about and talking about as a team in terms of goals going into the championship season? Mm-hmm. I think for, at least for our program, the standard every year is to try to win a national championship. Um, and ever since I've come into college, that's kind of meant to stick with Cal and beat them in the end. Um, and I definitely, I think that the rivalry is something that'll continue this year and beyond. Um, and looking forward into championship season um, for Big 12s and stuff, uh, Luke and I have probably already qualified for NCAA. So looking forward to Big 12s, I'm just kind of utilizing it as a training meet and like figuring out what race strategies I want to use for NCAAs and kind of perfecting my uh, how I want to go about things um, and then trying to get my teammates up to get their cuts as well so that we can try to bring a full squad like we usually do. Um, but I mean... I think as a, as a team, we love the Cal guys. I mean, there's like a healthy competition that goes on. Um, I like a lot of their guys. They're all great people. Um, but we're looking forward to um, giving, giving us a good competition and um, just being a good team race this year. I'm going to call both you guys out on that. Yeah, you love them. But when you stand on those blocks and that guy has just beat you in that relay last year and you know they're coming for you. Come on, what's the attitude? And, and they just got smashed from ASU. So you know they're hungry. Talk about fuel fire, right, Luke? They got mm-hmm. smashed and they're coming and they outtouched you and they beat you last year. You get in those blocks, Jake and, and Luke. What's going on with Cal? And then 
you got ASU and NC State just saying hi guys, we're here as well. Like, talk about that, dude. There's there's a drive there. Yeah. <laughs> also, I mean, I I think we're all pretty friendly. Like, no one's gonna start fighting each other on deck or anything, but <laughs> When you're in that situation yeah. behind the blocks, like there's there's nothing you want to do more than beat the guy next to you, and you know beat the guy with the yellow cap. Um, we're we're saying that sometimes when it comes yeah. to the championship season, and nothing you want to do more than get your hand on the wall first. I just want to hear you guys saying like that stupid fucking yellow cap. Like, you know, like <laughs> I mean, look, I. I'm open with you guys. When when I swam at Auburn and we were winning titles, Texas was our biggest rival, and we hated Texas. <laughs> and I, but like my high school best friend swam for Texas, you know. So like the, the, you have that underlying, um, you have that underlying appreciation and respect for what each of your teams are doing and putting in on a daily basis. And so and so I, I hear that, and especially when you know, you're of the caliber of swimmers where you guys are, where you're representing the U.S. and you're, you know, seeing these guys at international meets and you're, you're going to be teammates and um, at least for the U.S. folks. Um, but, you know, I, there's a different there's a different vibe on the pool deck at NCAAs. And, and you guys know this. I mean, even last year's journey through NCAAs, for example, uh, you know, Luke, you came out swinging with like two amazing days. And then, you know, if I maybe, uh, could, could take my stance on what it seemed like is that 200 free, uh, on, on a Friday morning is a really hard thing to do after you've mm -hmm. swam two big 500 frees and had that big lift from the eight free relay. Um, and so it's a journey, like trying to navigate the emotions of that meet, given how much energy is put into not only like, yeah, you taking care of your own races because you have to, but you're invested in what's happening for each of your teammates' races and you're watching the points and you're trying to just give everything to the team as well as yourself. So like, I guess, Luke, what's been your learning so far about the way to navigate Kind of the the roller coaster that is uh oh that is the ncaa <laughs> championship meet yeah <laughs> i think that's where brian was going there luke so well, why don't you take it from so, there <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll, so last year going in like we we have some alumni come in before the meet and like tell us like it's a big deal that it's super tense on deck like it kind of build up your expectation and going in, I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's pretty intense, but like nothing I'm not ready for. And when I got there, I was completely wrong with what I thought. And it's a lot different than I was expecting. And just walking on, you know, some of the best swimmers in the world. I mean, and it's like, yeah, we're here, we're here to do our job or we're here to try and win a national championship. And, that's that's the reason we're here that's what we want to get done and just that whole aspect it adds I, I i wouldn't say a lot of pressure but it just adds a lot of puts a lot of emotion into it um and like yeah like you had mentioned earlier the like i came out really good first two days good split on the relay good 500s and then that morning for the 200 i just remember being so tired and like nothing I'd really ever felt before, just physically, mentally, just exhausted. 
And I think having the experience from last year going into this year, it's going to be much better and I'll be able to manage myself a lot better throughout the whole meet. Um, just knowing what, what it's like on deck. Jake, obviously you have a, a huge event schedule as well. And as we know by going to NCs and, and like Brian and Luke mentioned, it's a, it's a huge, huge, you know, day after day meet. Could you tell us how you are working on kind of managing emotions or maybe the roller coasters that, that you've gone through yourself over the years of NCs? Mm -hmm. So my freshman year was the year that NCAAs got canceled. So the COVID year was technically my first NCAA championships. And I wouldn't say that that one was a good representation of what NCAAs is like, just since it was like only swimmers that made it back to finals were allowed in the building and no fans. And so it wasn't really a true NCAA meet feel. But then last year, I would say it was kind of back to being normal-ish um, just because like the fan atmosphere was back and it was a lot, lot faster than the year before. And so you knew people were ready to throw down for each race. Um, and I'd say that aspect of it just kind of gets you up because you know that right from the get-go in the morning, you need to get up and race fast in order to make it back into a final. Um, and so for me getting up in the morning for each race, I obviously didn't have the relay the first, the first day. So the second day was technically my first day of competition. Um, just knowing that if our team was going to need to be competitive, I needed to do everything I could in the morning to get into an A final. Um, and I think that carried well through the two and the four I am. And then the two breast day, um, like I, I would say I've had an attitude adjustment about the two breasts in the past year, um, I think after like this summer with my two breast performances, I think it gave me a lot of confidence in what I'm able to do because in the past I would say usually I've been like, okay, I am is kind of my thing. Let's rip those. And then we'll see what I can do in the breaststroke. Like that's more my fun race. Um, but I think now I've kind of like adopted the attitude of, okay, my IMs are really good. I'm going to kick butt in those. And then my breaststroke, why should I settle for being just good enough? Um, I think that just kind of changing away from that attitude to go, going into any breaststroke race, being like, I can beat anyone that's in this field right now has done a lot for my confidence. And I think that it like even this season, when I hop up in a breaststroke race, I think that that mindset has done a lot for me. And I'm looking forward to seeing what it can do at end season at two breast. Jake, I want to unpack both of those things you just said. Let's start with the I am. I am in the last three years is ridiculously improved in the 400. I mean, if I look at some stats here, uh, Bobby won it you know, 336. Then Hugo goes 332. Now we all know what Leon did in season. And yeah. then the two I am, it's, you know, we're five guys under 140 now. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, uh -huh. So my question to you is, how has that given you the confidence to know, well, those times are doable. People are doing it. No, I can, I can do this. I will do this. Is that a mental shift you're making, Bill, on that? And also, are you now attacking the race differently, knowing this level playing field has improved? Yeah, I would say that, like, I don't base my performance too much off what other people are trying to do. Like, I mean, Leon does some insane things that I think as a swimmer, by the time I retire, I won't ever be able to do. Like, going 12 and a half off each wall in a 4 a.m. is something that I don't think I'll ever be able to accomplish. And if I tried to, I would probably go above four minutes. Um, but I think <laughs> my race strategy and knowing what I can do it well at um, and just kind of honing in on those things, like an IM, I would not say that I'm a good backstroker, but doing my best to work my underwaters and 
get big breaths in on my butterfly to make sure that I can make that happen. Um, and just kind of perfecting the little things that have held me back in the years past is a way that I'm trying to improve moving forward to this next end season I am's. Like what? Like, like, like what's something that you're going to improve on? Uh, work the breaststroke even harder than you do? Like, what is it? I would say that I'm a much better freestyler than my IM gives me credit for. Mm -hmm. um, in high school, like I would say I trained a lot of freestyle and I had a good 500 when I was being recruited by Texas. Um, but then when I get an IM race, I would say that most times I have the slowest freestyle split in the field or close to it. And I don't think that's representative of who I am as a swimmer. So I think that this year, what a focus has been for me is really trying to hone in on the freestyle and not being like, okay, the race is almost over. Let's just get through it. But I need to attack the freestyle. Like I do my breaststroke because my breaststroke is my strength and an I am, and that's how I make my move. But my freestyle shouldn't be something that I'm just trying to finish the race with. It should be something that I'm trying to beat people on. Luke, you agree with that? Does, does Jake put it down in some freestyle sets with you? Yeah, oh, for sure. He'll be he'll be in the occasional distance group practice and he'll be he'll be hanging right in there. Um trying I can't really think of a specific time, but it, it happens, I don't know, maybe once once twice a week. He's he's there hanging with me on free and I'm like, "Man, what what's Jake doing? Like I should be beating him by a lot on free, but it, it's surprising. It's it's really good." <laughs> Who do you like to lose to the least in practice, Luke? Um, God, I, I don't like losing to anybody, but <laughs> um, mm, probably our freshman Alec Enyart. You know, he <laughs> he's he's a really good practice swimmer, and something about it. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I just I don't like losing to him. I thought you were gonna say David. <laughs> yeah, David's up there. There, he's. <laughs> He's a close second. Uh, who's the um? Well, I always remember being annoyed when there was that one person, and we were, I trained with a combined team, and there was this one girl who would always sit on your feet during warm up and sprint the whole warm up, and it's like, come on, it's just it's just aerobic swimming. Who's do you have anybody who does annoying stuff like that in practice? That's Kobe for me. Like <laughs> recently, for like Luke's probably heard this. Mm -hmm. Every single morning we go in. And it's usually long course outside. And so like, it's cold and like, I want to get in, but Kobe is always like, Jake, you go first and I'll go so slow and warm up. And he is like, still, you go first. And then he'll just sit on my feet and I flip turn and I'm basically face to face with him. <laughs> and it's every morning, but he knows I complain about this and he would probably think it's stupid that I'm talking about it on a podcast, but <laughs> hey these are important things my i know it is important at purdue we had uh we it's weren't combined okay. but every now and again we do combine practices and we had a rule that you couldn't lap anyone and warm up and i'd get and now my wife's lane and go slow as f and be holding like 140s under free yards and warm up and you know she's a two flyer that would negative split the two fly so we knew she was having some good training practices she'd be trying to hold like 105s double o's and warm up and i was like oh can't pass me sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um so i want to get into some of the personalities that you guys have on the team since we're talking about some of these folks um we got a few who 
who is the person on the team who can be the enforcer and have like say the difficult thing to keep somebody in line without having to be politically correct about it? Who would you say, Luke? Um, I'm kind of thinking Peter right now, Peter Larson. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. Peter has no filter. That is, yeah. Funny. But I also think that the no filter is just because he doesn't think about what he says before he says it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, What's... I would say a lot of the seniors aren't really afraid to speak their mind, especially this year. Um, yeah, that's true. Like if something's wrong, I feel like a senior always kind of speaks up about it. Yeah. Do you guys do you guys still have this like keep everybody in line mentality? Like I mentioned, my buddy Wade Kelly, who was uh, a, a Texas swimmer and an Olympic trials finalist in the mid two thousands, he uh, used to say that whenever somebody would like get out in the middle of a set to go to the bathroom, that everybody on the team would go, "Must be nice." <laughs> like you know, must be nice. You don't have to train as hard as everybody else to get good. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have I, anything like that? I would say that like definitely we don't let people take shortcuts. Yeah. Um, like if somebody is like obviously trying to get out of things, like people will kind of let them know that that's not okay, but we'll do it in a way that's respectful, not in a way that's like makes them feel bad about themselves. But like, I would say that that type of thing doesn't really fly. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. If like someone's doing something, either they shouldn't be or like trying to get out of work or someone will say something that might not like directly call them out on it but it'll make them realize i would say and you you never see them doing the same thing again <laughs> if you have a teammate who asks to go to use the bathroom what is that frowned upon like no guys <laughs> um, they can use the bathroom but if it's like like they're getting out to use the bathroom to get out of a set then it's like exactly okay. like then it's like what are you doing but luckily we don't have too many of those personalities on the team i would say everyone there knows what they're there to do and so it's not like we have too many people that are like trying to get out of work. Yeah. I would imagine you get weeded out pretty quick early on in the fall. If it's going to, if it's not going to work out on that front. <laughs> All right. Who's uh who's the class clown? Peter. <laughs> I, for me, at least Peter, Peter Larson cracks me up. I think he's hilarious. Um, he can't be the answer for all these, right? I know, I know. <laughs> he's a big personality, so I feel like a lot of things, like it kind of like just like circles back to him. I also think Casper is really funny. Um, Casper Corbeau, uh, I get a lot of memes from him. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we have a lot of funny guys on our team. I would say, like, we'll be we'll be sitting at dinner every night, and we're probably laughing basically the whole time, just. Someone's always saying something either crazy or funny or Holden know. Smith is pretty funny too. Yeah. yeah. All right. Who's the most likely to start a billion dollar company? Uh, I'm probably Paul DeGrotto. Yeah. Why? Very serious. He's like kind of like our businessman. I would say uh, like, I feel like just like the way he talks and the way he holds himself is very professional um so if i were to say there's going to be one person on the team that would be successful like one day i would say he'd probably end up being pretty successful later on in his life so i think that that is probably what my answer would be he's he's definitely the most realistic but kobe caroza he just started like printing t-shirts and like sweatshirts and stuff and that's gonna be my my pick for for the billionaire <laughs> if it takes <laughs> off 
which I don't think Austin, it will. I hate to say. <laughs> Austin is full of startups. It's the Silicon Valley, the new Silicon Valley. Lots of startups there. Is anybody doing any kind of stuff like that? As you, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. definitely possible, but yeah. somewhat unlikely. <laughs> Last year, uh, Willacone uh, convinced me, Carson, and Kobe to like invest in this like cryptocurrency called baboon coin and for like a second like we were all convinced that this was like the next thing that was gonna like it was gonna be like dogecoin that blew up yeah and so we we're like this is how we're gonna become billionaires and then it tanked <laughs> <laughs> so, so no no more uh Willicone advice yeah no, thanks just... will <laughs> yeah so will's not gonna be a billionaire is what you're saying <laughs> all right who's most likely to be late to practice David. Yeah, David. David walks in probably a minute before practice starts more than half the time. But he's never like late into the water. It's just like he's always like I would say like he gives himself little room for error. <laughs> that's that's a risky business right there. Yeah. What's the penalty if somebody is late to practice? I honestly don't know. I don't know if I've really seen anyone come in late since I've been here. Wow. Really? Yeah. You can do a good job of showing up on time. I would say most people like the average time getting there, like for a morning practice, people get there usually 20 to 15, 20 minutes early. And then for an afternoon workout, most of us come straight from lift. So we're there like 30 to 45 minutes before practice starts um, just hanging out. So nobody like there's really like when the format is like that, there's no excuse to be late. You'd be like, where were you? Like if you came, like we all came straight from Lyft, where did you go after Lyft? Um, so I would, yeah, I would say not many people are ever really late for practice. And being on time at Texas means like you're, you're diving in when the clock's at the top at 400.00 o'clock. Is that what it means? Like, what is it being on time? What's it? You have to be it's just whenever Eddie gives us the first set, which is usually on the zero, 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 zero. Yeah. But sometimes it's like maybe five minutes late just cause like he wanted to tell us something or like he had a story. Um, yeah. but I would say we do a good job of getting in on time. You're not tying your suit, adjusting your goggles and unpacking your swim bag. It's all done. Ready to dive in. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that, well, actually, okay. There was one person that like Townley Haas, I would say was the one person I trained with that was like never getting in on time. Um, like he would usually get in probably like a hundred later than everyone else, just cause he was the person that would be kind of like tying his suit and adjusting his goggles and all that. Um, and like, I don't know if you guys have met Townley, but that's just kind of his personality. He's like very laid back and just kind of like, I don't know, like I like I would say that, like, I could see that him being like that. But it was never like in a way where he was like trying to be lazy. It was just kind of like who he was. Hey, Jake, are you going to miss that? So you you did pretty good at MCATs. You going to medical, medical school? Is this at the end of your Texas career? So I that that all is still kind of up in the air for me um i got accepted to dell medical school which is the one uh that's like right across the street from the pool and that's where i'll i think i'll end up um and so i think that there's still a lot of things in flux in terms of like asking for a deferral um and seeing if they'll grant it and then working out the logistics of like if I did a pro year, what that would look like. So I think that there's still a lot of decisions that I need to make in the next like month or two. Um, but I think there's really no horrible option ahead of me. I think that I can be satisfied with whatever route I choose. Um, 
but right now focus is just kind of enjoying what I have for, for right now and my senior year. Totally. And, and that's where I want to get to the question, but this is, uh, you're talking in regard to swimming overall, not just Texas swimming, correct? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I was wondering about your Texas swimming career though, and the missing, the missing that, and, oh, you yeah. know, you, 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 are you not taking your fifth year? This is your last NCs. I'm, I'm assuming how my attitude is like, how are you dealing with that? Are you going to go Maya Dorado on us? I'm like, I'm good. I'm going to do my last 200 IM and I'm ready to go. And you're going to drop it down or you're back against the wall. It's, it's like, what's your attitude going into this? Enjoy the moment. Don't worry about it. Let's yeah. Go. I think I'm just enjoying the moment because like, I would say that choosing Texas was the best decision that I've ever made. When I was looking at colleges, I was having a really hard time deciding on which one I wanted to go to. And it was like getting to the point where other people were committing and my parents sat me down were basically like, you have until like the end of the day, like, cause like they knew I had all the, like there was going to be no more new information that came out about any of my college choices. They were basically like, you have until the end of the day to make your decision. You have all the information you need. And so yeah. just try to make it like, try to like figure out where you want to go. And so like, I was thinking about it and I decided that like, I wanted to go to the place where I could see myself being the happiest for four years. And that ended up being Texas just because of the culture and the team. And I would say that that has entirely lived up to my expectations. Like my time at Texas has been the best four years of my life. And the guys on the team are my best friends. And I would not trade my experience being on Texas for the world. So I would say that it's a little bit emotional finishing up my last couple meets. Like during our senior day, um, like when they were kind of like doing our senior announcements and stuff, I like they walked us out onto the bulkhead and like my parents were there to greet me. And uh, I hugged my mom and dad and like shook the, shook the coach's hands and stuff. And my mom like whispered to me, she's like, are you not sad at all? And I was like, in my mind, like, like they're that feeling where like in your throat where like you kind of want to cry a little bit just like not sadness just because yeah. of happiness for the memories but I was I like looked at her and I was like no but it was because I had a relay in five minutes and so I was like if I like start crying right now or like chart start tearing up then this relay is going to be bad so I would say that I'm definitely processing my emotions about it all and it's been great um but yeah, I don't know. Just taking it in. Yeah, kind of last season of NCs. Um, obviously, I think we all, all remember where we were at at that point. It's, it's a lot to take in, especially when you have championship meets coming up. Teammates that you want to see perform really well at these meets. Um, you know, going through the meet and scoring it out and seeing what it's going to take, especially for you guys uh, to win it. Luke, have you guys kind of gone through the meet and and kind of highlighted some areas where you feel like the team needs to, you know, really perform well or really take advantage to put you in a great place to to win the win the meet against Cal and the other teams? Yeah, so I don't think we've really gone through like as a as a whole group, but I feel like we all just kind of know, just know the information that's out there and know what we need to be really good at and performing. Um, and we definitely know our strengths and we know like the whole NC2A strengths. Um, and I like, guess people have been saying like our, our sprint group isn't, it's not great this year. So our shorter relays will struggle a little, but as long as they're placing pretty high, we have so much individual firepower that, and that I think will be pretty good. Um, so as long as we're, 
getting those a finals um you know winning winning all the close races um just simple stuff like that i think will be good yeah i think that there's been a misconception this year too that like our team lacks depth Mm -hmm. um and i think it's easy to kind of overlook the rest of our team when like you have people like carson and luke kind of like leading the way and david um and casper and all them and so like you kind of tend to focus on like the top guys that a team has but i would say that like just being in our training group like there are a lot of guys who have a lot of potential um to throw down like this past weekend uh sam artman who's a senior butterflyer i would say that is a name that most people probably are not that aware of because we've never brought him to ncs um but he went 141.3 in a 200 butterfly um, against SMU. The time ended up not counting because he was DQ'd, but for a one-handed touch on the last turn. But just the fact that he's got that in there uh, to throw down at a mid-season meet, yeah. and it's a person that a lot of people have never heard of, yeah. I would say that that speaks a lot to kind of like the potential that a lot of our team holds that I feel like is probably not recognized by a lot of people out there. Those are the people that end up winning the meets for sure. Yeah. That's, that's where all the points get stacked up in that console final, you know, and that's for sure just a jumping off point. Um, Luke, I'm curious for you to kind of go into some of the, the learnings that you've had. I mean, Jake talked about how important of a decision uh, it was to come to Texas and, and you made this decision in in large part, I assume, to develop your swimming career and because of the success that the program and the the coaching staff and the expertise has developed over um, years, especially in freestyle events, too. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what, what have been some of the biggest, um, I think, challenges for you during your journey, as well as, like, the biggest learnings that have really elevated you to where you are in your swimming right now from your Texas experience? Mm-hmm. So I would say I've learned a ton and a lot from Eddie and Wyatt because, I mean, as long as I can remember, they've had just really, really good swimmers and like 200, 500, 200, 400 long course and those mid-distance freestyle events. And I think that's a pretty big reason why I ended up coming to Texas, just knowing that was kind of my strong suit. That's what I wanted to be really good at and excel in. And I think that here's the best place that I could do it. And I was definitely right with my decision. I'm super happy with Texas and the progression I'm on, but just like learning, learning how to swim races and especially like the 200 free. I feel like if you look at my results through like last spring into the summer at world trials and then nationals. And then when I was in Australia, um, I kind of, each time I did it, I kind of figured out like, how to swim it a little better and a little better each time. And I just kept consistently dropping like half a second here, half a second here, half a second here. Um, So just learning how to swim races, learning how to train and recover and keep my body fresh during those long meets. Um, You know, it's, it's definitely a learning curve and it's been it's been tough to figure some things out and it, mm-hmm. it takes time and I'm still learning a lot, but um, it's coming along great, which I'm, I'm happy to see. What, what exposed you? What was so hard that you failed? Like, where did you first meet failure and you're like, fuck, this is going to be really hard. Oh, man. Um, it was last year. 
<laughs> yeah, World Trials last year was no. Was I said big twelves. Oh, big twelves. Yeah, big twelves <laughs> was that was probably some of the worst swimming I've ever had. <laughs> Just like I don't know, getting completely broken down during winter training, and then started feeling a little better going into big 12s and just swam awful. And that's not a very good confidence boost before NC2As. And like, then I was like, Oh man, like, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do in a month. Like this is, this could end up being pretty bad and kind of pushed all that to the side, just kept pushing through the taper. Probably. I, I don't even think I swam very well before the meet and I remember getting to NC's last year and like the first couple of days you just do light swims and I felt pretty bad in the water. And I remember before that relay was like, no, oh, I'm starting to feel decent. Like, I think, I think this might be okay. And ended up swimming really well. So I, I kind of learned from that, like, it doesn't really matter how you're feeling, but you know, as long, long as you keep doing, doing what works, it, it should work out. One thing that um, back in 2004, I had a swimmer who was a miler and he was okay. Um, and he got into Texas and he was a walker at Texas. And I, I was so nervous for him because at the time in 04, you know who was there at Texas. And I was so happy to, to know how welcomed he was by Eddie and on deck and all the other athletes. I mean, Olympic gold medalists were kind to him. And he, he was, you know, he was not one of the best ones at all, but it was so open. It's just a loving, embracing culture from Eddie down. Is that so many things you either you can comment on this? Is that so many things that you really enjoyed about the culture, no matter who you are, how many gold medals you had, we all were brothers and, and sons and, and welcomed? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the culture at Texas is why I chose it. Um, and I'd say that's entirely true. Um, I like if you buy into the team, the team will completely like, like it's the best. Like, I would say that we there's no team that I would say has a better culture than us um, in the country, and I, that's a that's a statement I'll stand by. Mm -hmm. um, just that's what it's what Eddie has spent 40 years building up. Jake, what have you learned about yourself during your your journey? And similar question to to that I asked Luke is what what were some of the moments where you realized that okay, like I am, I am navigating this and it's hard right now, but I'm going to be better on the other side of it. And now, now look, here you are a, a senior and a, and a many time finalist and a sub two ten two and a breaststroker and just at a totally different point. What were some of those developmental moments for you? I think that Eddie, like in general is a great role model for all of his swimmers and something that like, I've kind of come to realize in the time that I've been in college is that I'm much more than just a swimmer. Um, I think that Eddie tries to like instill in all of us that like, we're not just like a product of being good swimmers. Like we're good teammates. We're good friends. Um, we're sons, uh, to our parents, uh, we're students. Um, someday we'll have a job in a professional field. Um, and so just not getting hung up on all the little things and practice and all that. And like your meets, like there's so much more to enjoy in life beyond just what's in the pool. I'd say that that's the biggest thing that I've come into college with. Just like in high school, I remember like I'd have bad swims and I would get so down on myself, especially like in a taper meet setting, if I ever did bad, like, 
And even in my freshman year, I would say I wasn't entirely sad. I, I went best times at my invite. And I remember just being so down on myself uh, because I didn't feel like I what I did was good enough. Um, but I think that's something that I've realized over the course of my four years being in college is that like there's a lot more than defining yourself by what times you go. Um, and I think that that mindset has freed me uh, from just being defined by my performance and limited by that like kind of like what can I do in this race? And it's more of, I'm not approaching my races through fear, but through like being excited about what I can do. That's a great, great mentality. Now, um, I want to ask you guys just as a, almost a, a personal question about just like the guru of Eddie Reese and um, some of the things that you've picked up from him technically, because I know that throughout his path in, in freestyle, he's had somewhat of a different approach to the way to coach freestyle technique. And I remember Eric Chanteau mentioning just like some technical tips that led him to jump and make this leap, like very similar to where you are, Jake, with I am being an I am forward swimmer with breaststroke being, you know, kind of at the at the back of that and instead making this leap until breaststroke is, is the priority and, you know, becoming an American record holder. So Luke, uh, just from a technical standpoint, are there some things that you've picked up uh, from Eddie specifically? Yeah, definitely. So my stroke has, it's definitely improved from when I was in high school and I think you can see it with my times they have gotten better. Um, but I remember first getting here, whenever I would breathe to the left side and free, my right arm would cross over my head like this way. And I remember probably three or four weeks, Eddie would tell me almost every practice, like keep, keep your arm wide, keep that hand out um, just to get a better catch. And yeah, like I said, three weeks went by of him saying that and I ended up becoming habit and this, my stroke got much better, much better catch. And then, like with getting stronger, I could harness all that and it worked out well. What, what about you, Jake? I'd say for breaststroke, like my kick has always been the strong part of my stroke. Um, and so we've been working on kind of like getting my pole to be where my kick is. And I'd say that when I was at Worlds, we tried to model it a little bit after what Nick Fink was doing. Cause like I'd watch him do breaststroke and like every time he pulled, it looked like he was shooting forward out of a cannon. And so that's something that is a continuous work in project for, for work, work in progress for us. Uh, but also I think that in like our training, um, like I've done more 300s and 400s breaststroke straight than I can count. And that is like brutal to do at the time, but it's something that has made me so much better at the 200 just because I can like do breaststroke all day without getting tired at it. Um, versus when I came in and the first time I did a 300 breaststroke, even going easy, it killed me. Um, but yeah, I would say that just like cranking out a lot of long distance breaststroke has helped me become a lot better at it. Man, I hope your knees are okay later in life. <laughs> I actually have never had a knee problem, knock on wood, but, uh, yeah, never, never had injured knees, no matter how many breaststroke kicks I've done. Hell yeah. Cheers to that. All right, guys, we just got some rapid fire questions for you to finish up. Uh, Luke, what's the hardest race in swimming? Uh, 200 free long course. Jake, what do you think? Uh, 400 IM long course. Jake, Olympic gold or world record? Uh, Olympic gold. 
Luke? Uh, Olympic gold. Uh, Luke, do you pee in the pool? I, I think everyone does, so <laughs> I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Jake? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Jake, Jake, what's the greatest Eddie-ism of all time? Uh, um, shoot, there's so many. <laughs> I Well, I think that, like, they made T-shirts, like, the year before I came in that I thought were hilarious, and it just said on the back, it said, think about it, aliens, why not? And it's just, like, random stuff like that. Like, Eddie's just, like, talking about, like, sharks or coins or aliens or just like random stuff like that. You're just like, what are you even saying right now? <laughs> um, Luke, what's one set that you won't miss when you retire from swimming? Um, we do like three 800s band pull, band and buoy. It seems like we do that a lot of mornings and I will not miss that just because <laughs> you're in their morning practice. That's, that's about the last thing I want to be doing. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds horrible. Yeah. Jake, uh, Beyonce, greatest musical artist of all time, or if not, who? I would say that my musical taste probably wouldn't exactly be Beyonce, but I know that <laughs> like she is very popular. So I would say for most people, probably she's the greatest of all time. But for me, probably not what I would listen to. What, what would you pick? I like Young the Giant a lot. I don't know if you've heard of them. But nope. Okay. Look them up. They're good. All right. I'll, I'll check it out. Luke, who's your music pick for best all time? And it's okay to say Beyonce. Best all time? Uh, no, Beyonce is not bad. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luke, is there a swimmer that you've looked to uh, to emulate their stroke? Like, who's got the prettiest freestyle you've ever seen? Um. I would say I really like Kieran Smith's like distance per stroke. Um, I would I kind I don't I kind of try and mimic that. I would say just being long, it just looks so easy. I like Jake, that. Jake, are there any swimmers that um you that come to mind for you? I would say Carson's got really like pretty strokes for all the other strokes besides breaststroke. But then like I have a hard time. Like, I mean, like I, like I said, with Nick Fink and his pole, like there's certain parts you can pick from every swimmer, but like breaststroke, you look at the field and they all look entirely different. Like you can have someone like Reese that gets like two feet out of the water every time he takes a pole, or you can have someone like AJ pouch that sits like right on the water line. Right. So it's like, it kind of comes in all, all shapes. Yeah. Or oh, Lydia Jacoby's breaststroke. That's yeah, like the old. Two, yeah. Yeah. Right. right the water yeah. Line. All right. Luke, what's your prediction for the final score of the Super Bowl? Um, I'm going to say Chiefs 34, Eagles 28. Okay. Jake, sorry. The Bengals didn't make it. John's, uh, John's bum too. Bengals fan, Ohio native. Uh, but what do you got to say about Super Bowl score? I say I'm happy with whatever score, as long as the Chiefs get smashed. So 50 <laughs> to nothing. All right. Fair enough. Now we got to know at Texas, do you guys do social kick? uh very rarely it's more in like taper yeah yeah as, as we taper we'll we'll start to get it every now and then but when we're training hard i it, it's rare you gotta well, train like, this too come on <laughs> well hell yeah well then cheers to uh being social cake season coming soon because taper is is soon 
Thanks so much for coming on, guys, and giving us a lens on Texas. Jake, Luke, so much fun to talk to you. It was fun talking to you, to, to you as well. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was great. Awesome. That's it for this episode of Social Kick. We'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it. And be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick. And you can find all of our content on our website.